Father, we come before you, and there is so much confusion inside the church at large, the universal church, about the rapture, the day of the Lord, if it exists, if it doesn't exist, when the timing of the rapture ensues, is it before the tribulation, mid-tribulation, at the end of the tribulation, is it not at all? Father, all these things can be confusing because there is so much information scattered through your word. I pray that you would bring clarity to us this morning that we would be able to understand what Paul was communicating to the Thessalonica church because they were confused. So I ask that you would clear this up for us, Lord, by the power of your spirit, bringing us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 says concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him we ask you brothers not to be easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed the man doomed to destruction he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God don't you remember when I was with you I used to tell you these things so verse 1 tells us what we are talking about it says, again, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him. There's two things he's dealing with that they are confused about. First, it is the coming of the Lord or the day of the Lord. And it is the rapture of the church. Now, back in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, he talks about the rapture there. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 and 51, he talks about it there. John chapter 14 verse 1 through 3 tells us we're going to heaven and also in the book of Isaiah chapter 26 19 and 20 I think it's the area talks about us being gathered together in the chambers of the Lord so that is pretty clear but they wanted to know about the timing how come this timing does not seem right now this is in, in the King James Version it's called the day of Christ but I think that that is improper it is actually called the day of the Lord. When you use the word Lord, it means the word Kyrios in the Greek is used, not Christos. And so this is called the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord is that seven-year period that talks about the book of Daniel, also the gospel of Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13. It's that seven-year period of tribulation that is going to come upon the whole world where two-thirds of the world is going to perish under the judgment of God. That's a future event from this day. But we see the signs coming up that this day is approaching because of what the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, Ezekiel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Mark, and Luke, all of those talk about this particular time period. And so we want to understand it too about the timing. Now, no man knows the day or the hour when the rapture will occur. We don't know that. But once the Antichrist comes onto the scene, we can count from the center of the tribulation how long is left until the tribulation ends. We know that. There's going to be 1,260 days. It's going to be over for that. And if you count prior to the abomination of desolation, that's where the Antichrist shows up 
puts himself in the temple in Jerusalem that they want to rebuild. Once that's rebuilt, he's going to declare himself God. And at that point, that is 1,260 days into the middle of that tribulation period, a period of seven years. Okay, so, and I don't want to make this any more complicated than it is, but the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ takes place at the end of that seven years. He's coming back to earth physically, just like he came the first time was born of a virgin. And then there is the rapture of the church referred to here as our being gathered to him. Now remember the doctrine of the rapture of the church is first the dead in Christ will rise and meet the Lord in the air. Then we who are remaining here alive until the coming of the Lord will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air together with those who have preceded us in death that are believers. So anyone who is a believer before the rapture happens, according to what we teach here, goes up to be with the Lord, taken to heaven for seven years on earth time, and then we come back and rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. This whole study, this whole area is called eschatology. Now in verse 2, it says, We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. So they are troubled. They're greatly troubled because they are enduring persecution. People are being hauled off. They're being questioned. Some people are being killed. And everyone is thinking, what, what, what is going on here? Somebody shows up and apparently they have a letter that comes from the Apostle Paul. At least they allege it comes from the Apostle Paul. And there is somebody who is giving a prophecy, maybe one or two individuals, saying the day of the Lord, we are in it already. We're in the midst of the day of the Lord. And so if we were in the day of the Lord, I think we'd all be troubled because you know what lies ahead. We know that the Antichrist is going to be given the power to subdue and kill the saints. That means all of us would be dying. That's what the day of the Lord is. And so they're looking at this and somebody says the day of the Lord is already here, but what hasn't happened yet? The gathering together of the brethren the rapture of the church. And so they're confused. They're worried. It's like, we missed it. We missed the rapture of the church because the day of the Lord is here. Let me read it to you again. We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Now, this is kind of a rhetorical question because he's stating here rhetorically, It hasn't come yet. The day of the Lord hasn't come. So you can calm down. You don't have to worry. The rapture of the church is still a future event. Okay, so he's setting the table here, so to speak. So they know that from Paul in the first letter, the day of the Lord is the time of God's wrath. I'm going to read to you those scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath so this time of wrath the seven year period we're going to be rescued from it now in the past a few weeks ago I gave you historical references like Eusebius and a few others that said we are um, not going to go through the tribulation period also the shepherd of hermes was written right after the first century it tells us we're not going to go through the tribulation period and that was taught for at least four centuries before augustine of the catholic church came in and said no we're going to change that 
That's not the way it's going to be. So it is a historical fact that that was taught. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 also says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we belong to Christ, we have passed from judgment into God's mercy, and we are not going to suffer in any way for our faith during the tribulation. Now, it doesn't mean you won't suffer for your faith or even be killed this side of the tribulation. But during the tribulation, it is going to be just a horrendous time on the earth. We know the earth is going to be affected. Nature is going to be affected. The spiritual realm is going to be affected. There's going to be darkness, earthquakes. There's going to be hail. There's going to be plagues. There's going to be wars, uh, rumors of wars, all those things that lead up to that particular time. We know that that's coming. God has told us it's on the horizon. Just how far, we're not sure. The only question they're asking is, if the day of the Lord has come, why haven't we been raptured first? Because that's the promise they were given. Now, what if the rapture was after the beginning of the day of the Lord? Or if the rapture or the being gathered together was to take place after the day of the Lord had begun, they would have been encouraged and excited. So let me kind of summarize this again. The day of the Lord is a seven-year period. For those who believe that the rapture happens inside of that, you would be encouraged if you knew the start. Because at the start, if you're like a mid-tribulational rapture person, you would say, okay, if the day of the Lord has started, we have to wait to the abomination of desolation. We're going to be raptured at that point. So you would know the day. And scripture says, nobody knows the day. Or the time of God's wrath, five and a half years in the pre-wrath people. You would still know the day. And the Lord says, you don't know the day when it's coming. It precedes the seven years. Now that whole seven years is a time of God's wrath. Now there's people who don't believe that and that's okay. This is not a salvation issue. I, I just feel that remaining true to the scriptures as I even get more in depth here. It really does teach that the rapture happens before the tribulation. And that's why the Thessalonians were so upset. Because the day of the Lord, the tribulation was already here. So they were unsettled or alarmed. They were shaken. They were frightened. They were troubled over this day of the Lord being upon them. So if this, if this was the case, they would have been suffering persecution. They would have known that the rapture was going to happen and they'd be saved from that if it was afterwards. But it's not the case. If they believed the day of the Lord had already begun, they knew that they would be persecuted in some way and it was going to get very difficult for everyone in the church. That, that's the whole basis for this chapter 2 here. Paul says, you're not going to go through the day of the Lord. Remember that there has to be a departing first. And I'm going to explain what that departing is. So... Let me read it one more time. We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed and the man doomed to destruction. <clears throat> okay, so what, what is all this? There's something that is a predicate to the day of the Lord. Two things are listed here. Now, I've given you, I think, at least four things that have to happen before the day of the Lord comes. But this idea of the rebellion, what is the rebellion? Now, depending on the version of the Bible you have, 
The word is going to be apostasy. It's going to be rebellion. It's going to be falling away. It's going to be great revolt. It's going to be departure. It's going to be dissension. That's the word that is used here in the original language. It's apostasia or apostasia is the way you're supposed to pronounce it. And it's made of two different words. The first one is apo, which means to move. And stasis, which means standing or state or to stand. So literally what it means is I'm here and I apostatize. I go over here. I move from one place to the other. That is the meaning of the word apostasia. Now, this literally, it's a basic definition. It means to go away from or depart or to change state or standing from one state to another. So hopefully we're clear on that. Now, the word apostasia is only used twice in the New Testament once it's used here in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, and the other time it's used is in Acts chapter 21, verse 21. I'm going to read that to you. It says, They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. So in other words, turn away and forsake circumcision. You're standing here with this particular doctrine of Moses and you're moving and standing over here and getting away from it, believing something else. So it's a, a moving to stand here and then to stand somewhere else. Now, apostasia was used in extra biblical Greek literature to describe a political revolt or a going away from the establishment And in the Septuagint or the Greek Old Testament, when the Jews would go away from God and worship idols. So that's how it was used. And that's what Acts 21, 21 deals with is going away from a particular standing under the law of Moses to getting out from under that. And you could see how uh, the majority of people would believe in second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three, that, well, that's exactly what it must mean there. Well, maybe not so much. There is apostasion, the the noun that appears in Matthew 5.31 and 19.7 and Mark chapter 10 verse 4 where it describes a writing of divorcement or papers that separate. It's a separation, so to speak. And specifically, it can be identified as an instant in time. It's not something that transpires over a long period of time. Like, for instance... When people fall away, do they do so instantly? And I'm, I'm talking about falling away from the church. Do people just say, that's it, I'm done, I'm out of here. I'm not in the church anymore. Or does it slowly progress? Now, with people as a whole, how does that happen? How does a church get off base? Little teaching comes in here, little teaching comes in there that's false, and the church slowly moves. <clears throat> in this particular case, it's called the ap- the apostasia there is the definite article which is used the is a definite article remember your english indefinite article is a like for instance the riot you would say oh, you're pointing to a specific thing 
It is a riot, or not a riot, it is the riot, the riot to beat all riots. It is a particular one. If you say a riot, you're saying one of many. There are several which are out there. When it refers to the falling away, the rebellion, the great revolt, the departure, the apostasy, it's saying the apostasy, the one. There is only one. There is not a movement towards what we understand today as apostasy. It is simply the apostasy. It would almost have to mean everybody walks away from the church at once on this particular day. That's kind of the intention of the text because the definite article is used. Now, I don't think that that lines up very well because Paul is talking to a group of people who understand what he's talking about. He has already told them these things. In verse 5, we're going to see, don't you remember I used to tell you these things? So he's talking to them about something that they have already received, that they already understand. It is not something new. When you look at the whole of First and Second Thessalonians, he does not go over it like, you guys better be on your guard because, you know, there's this slowly slipping away from the faith and people are, quote unquote, apostatizing or rebelling from Jesus Christ. He doesn't talk about that at all. When he addresses the church in Thessalonica, he's saying, you guys are doing good. I want to encourage you in this. Matter of fact, everything that you're doing is being talked about throughout all the churches in Asia Minor. It's just a great thing. Keep it up, man. I want to warn you, you know, it's going to get tough, but just keep it up. He never talks about people really going away from the faith, except what has been translated in this particular word. Now, you can see why there would be some confusion about this. Now, if Paul wanted to say people were falling away from the faith, would he use this word to bring that meaning? I'm going to submit to you that he wouldn't. If you want to turn over to Hebrews chapter 6, if you have a, your scriptures open, I want to show you where he talks about falling away. And he uses a different word. And in the context, it makes sense that he would use this different word. <clears throat> now, in Hebrews chapter 6, a lot of people turn to this and say, you can lose your salvation. I don't believe that that is the case. I don't believe that that's what's being taught here. Just to give that as a predicate to what I'm going to read here. It is impossible for those, in verse 4, who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away. You would think he would use the word apostasia. He doesn't. To be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. So he's using a word, you would think it'd be, you're standing here one moment and you're saying, no, I'm not going to follow that anymore. I'm going over here. Apostasia would seem to fit there, but he doesn't use that word. The word he uses here is parapto, if I said it correctly. If you wanted to look it up, it's number 3895 in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, taken from 3844 and 4098. And it means to fall aside. It means... Basically, to go away from, to not follow what you were previously following anymore. And it's not the word apostasia. So this apostasia, is that the word that is used like apostasy all the time? No, I just told you all the words that have been used, rebellion, falling away, great revolt, departure, and dissension. 
And I did a little research. One person said that the Wycliffe Bible in the 14th century included the word departure, and it wasn't falling away. Well, then I, I, I tried to find that one, but the English is so... Back in the 1300s, you, can't, you can hardly read the English the way it's written because the words are, are just, they're changed, you know, and you're going, okay, I think I know what this one means. But then Tyndale in 1526, he wrote this same passage. He translated uh, the Bible so that the people could read it. And this is what he wrote in verse 3. These are his words in the Tyndale Bible of 1526. He says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for the Lord cometh not except there come a departing first. And that that sinful man be opened the son of perdition, which is an adversary and is exalted above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he shall sit in the temple of God and show, S-H-E-W, himself as God. <clears throat> and so he did not use the word falling away or rebellion. He used the word departure. Now, there are other translations that use the word departure. One of them is the World English Bible published in 1901. It also uses the word departure. The majority of all the Bibles, and I went through like 25 of them, they usually use any other word but departure. But it is not unknown to those who transcribe the Greek text into English, this idea of departure. Now, so far, you put all these things together and you go, okay, so there are Bibles that say departure. There are Bibles that say rebellion. There are teachers that say departure. There are teachers that say rebellion. There is history that says departure. And there is history that says, no, it's rebellion. So you have people lining up on both sides. The clear arbiter of this debate is going to be in the text. The text is going to tell us exactly what is going on. Now, we know that reason is not totally something we're to avoid. Come, let us go up to the house of the Lord and reason together. The scripture says that, but we're supposed to use the scripture in order to reason together. So apostasia literally means to depart or to go away or go away from what? That's the question in here. Go away from what? Are people going away from the Christian faith? What has been handed down by the apostles? Or are the Christians going away from the day of the Lord that is approaching? That's the question that you go back and forth on. That's where people butt heads. And if you go to YouTube, it's all over. Some people believe there's no rapture. There's no way you're going through the day of the Lord. You are going through the day of the Lord. You are going to suffer. And I mean, it's just all over the place. And most of the ones that I listened to or the ones that I read, they often would just use reason in anecdotes. They wouldn't go to the scripture. Some did. But I think that they took some liberty when they tried to translate, so to speak, what they were trying uh, to say the scripture said. So this word apostasia, Greek word, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. I told you it also has the definite article, the rebellion or the departure. And to summarize everything that I've just previously said, to, to kind of bring this back around, I, I want to make sure I don't lose you on this stuff. Paul is teaching about the day of the Lord. That's number one. He is also talking about the rapture, the gathering together. That's number two. That is in verse one and two there. And 
he, he is responding to reports that the day of the Lord has already come and he's letting them know it hasn't come. And you have to ask yourself the question, how do they know it hasn't come yet? Paul is only reviewing what he has previously taught on these matters and not delivering them something new or something he had not taught on. The revelation of falling away would be something new that he had not discussed with them in First Thessalonians, his first letter. He'd never talked in First Thessalonians about anything about people going away from the faith. He did talk about the rapture of the church, and he did talk about the day of the Lord. In Hebrews 6.6, 6, if Paul wanted to communicate that people were leaving the faith, he would have used that other Greek word of falling away. He wouldn't have used the particular one, apostasia. And there is a definite article used in front of the word apostasia, the falling away. It is a particular event. The day of the Lord in this context is not referring to a specific 24-hour day. It is referring to a day or an age, the seven-year period, the whole seven-year period that is there. And then if the day of the Lord had already started, they would have been encouraged if the teaching of the rapture comes after the day of the Lord begun. They were not encouraged. They knew that it had to happen before the day of the Lord began. Now, it's obvious from the text that the Thessalonians were concerned. They were frightened. They were worried. They were troubled. They had missed the gathering, the rapture, because they had been told the rapture would come first. That is the debate. And Paul says, that is true. The rapture comes first before the seven-year period. Now, verse 3 again says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Now, <clears throat> that's, that's part, or part of this. You're just going, wait, he has to be revealed before the rapture or before the day of the Lord. It's the day of the Lord that he has to be revealed not the rapture. The rapture comes and you don't have to know who the Antichrist is or who this man of lawlessness is. It says the day of the Lord. He will come before the day of the Lord. That means <clears throat> you have the rapture of the church. Then there is a time period. We don't know how long it is. I think it could be months or years. Then you have seven years after that. Now, why do I believe that? Well, in Daniel chapter 9, it says that he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, which if you do the investigation, what does that mean exactly? It means the Antichrist is going to show up with the nation of Israel. He's going to make a treaty with them to allow them to build their temple. When that happens, that is the beginning of the day of the Lord. We know that 1,260 days after that is the abomination of desolation where he stands in the temple that has been rebuilt, declares himself as God, and wants to be worshipped. And so those who have the scripture, now I believe the church is going to be out of here, but the 144,000, which is in the book of Revelation chapter 7 and 14, they're going to be the witnesses. They're Jews. They're virgins. They're going to tell people about Jesus Christ. You also have the two witnesses, the prophets who are going to be killed. Once they're killed, then the great tribulation starts. That's the last 1,260 days. Now, that's a lot of information that I'm just giving you. And I keep on talking and talking. I, I just want to make sure... There, there's so much here, but I, I just want to whittle it down for you, okay? So we know that this seven-year period is the full length of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is seven years. Now, if you go to the book of Revelation, when does the seven years begin in the book of Revelation? 
It begins in chapter 6. You have the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Now, if you haven't heard anything about this, you're going to walk out of here with your mouth open, your eyes real wide. What are you talking about? You look surprised. You know, these eyebrows are really high. What was all of that? This is called eschatology. God, you know, there's, there's, and you've heard me say this before, there's four questions that people have in life. They fall into four categories, I should say. The first one is, where did we come from? How did we get here? What is our origin? Were we created or did we evolve? The second one is meaning. Why? Why are things like this? Why did this happen? Why is there wars? Why are there earthquakes? Just tell me why. That's, everything falls into the category of why under that. The next one is morality. Okay. What can I do? What can I not do? What is sinful? What is righteousness? I just want to know what I can get away with. I want to go right up to the line. Just tell me what that is. Okay, that's the other category. The last category is our destiny. What happens to us after we die? What takes place on earth after it's all said and done? What is going to go on the earth in the end times? What happens after the earth is gone and God sets up his kingdom? What is all of that about? So four categories. Origin, morality, or meaning, morality, and destiny. And so I'm dealing with, right here, the destiny. This is what happens in our future. Now, I think we're close, but how close? Well, you know, some people say we're in the tribulation right now. I don't agree with that. I think it's a future event. So anyhow, I digress. The Antichrist is going to show up, and he's going to make a covenant. Revelation chapter 6 says there are seven seals. It only gives us six in the chapter. The seventh comes later. But the sixth, the first one is the rider on a white horse that guy is bent on conquest he has a bow that is the antichrist god jesus christ shows up breaks the first seal that is the beginning of the tribulation we know that from his point of going out and conquest that's the day of the lord but how far before he makes the treaty with the nation of israel not quite sure let me explain why say the rapture happens you have this time period this guy is the one who makes the treaty now remember Bill Clinton tried to make a treaty with Yasser Arafat and Menachem Begin you guys remember that like a long time ago I was only three but I remember it but when that was taking place that would have been a fantastic thing and they've tried to get the Arabs or the Palestinians to agree with the Jews for decades, ever since May 14th, 1948. And they're trying to do this and and they just can't get it done. The Antichrist is going to come along and say, I'm going to get it done. But he has to already be a world ruler to do that. So that means he's here for a period of time, but the church is not because we have to be gone. He's going to be revealed before the day of the Lord, not before the rapture. So there's a period of time, I think it's months or years, he rises to power, and this is in Daniel, book of Daniel, chapter 8 and 7, I believe, is where it's located. This guy comes to power. It's when he signs that treaty, that's when it begins. 
Then you count seven years from that point. So he's already on the scene, but we're not here. We are gone in the rapture. So there is a time interval in there. So at the beginning of the covenant, he makes, he has already been on the scene for either months or even years. The entire seven year period is called the day of the Lord. This is also referred to the day of the Lord is synonymous with the wrath of the lamb. The wrath of the lamb. If you take the first four horsemen of the apocalypse, the rider on the white horse, he is bent on conquest. The rider on the red horse, he is going to take peace from the earth. He is a, a rider of war. Then you have the black horse, which is coming, and he's the rider of famine. And then you have the fourth horse or the pale horse. He is the rider of death. Those first four seals, millions of people are going to die. No question about it. And it's because... Jesus cracks the first seal. That is the beginning of the time of wrath, the wrath of the Lamb. That is the beginning of the tribulation period. Many people will go in the fifth seal that is broken. It's those people who are under or up on the, uh, in heaven and they ask for Jesus, how long until you avenge our blood? And he goes, just a little bit longer. You don't have to worry about it. Just wait. The sixth seal, that is when it says, the day of the wrath of the Lamb has come. And some people say, that's the beginning of the tribulation. I would submit to you, it is not. Now, this is where many people divide. And it's okay, you can divide. It's wonderful. You can choose that path. I, I just happen to believe that when Jesus cracks that first seal, that's when the tribulation begins. It's not when the sixth seal is cracked, even though it says that's when the wrath of the Lamb is. No, millions of people are already dying they're already perishing because of the four horsemen of the apocalypse that come in. And, and so I think just by sheer reason, we can say, no, that's the beginning of it. There's war, especially the rider on the white horse. And not war like we understand war now. This is going to be worldwide conflict. This is something that you're not going to be able to subdue. And just like right now they're talking about, well, we could have famines because... The war in Ukraine where most of the wheat is produced there and in Russia. That's what always follows war is famine. You, you shut off the food supply. You, you take down the infrastructure. You're not able to deliver the goods because of war. And so people go hungry during this time. And they think that people are going to starve in mass down in Africa where they get a lot of their grain from Ukraine and over in Europe. That's coming. Does that mean we're in the day of the Lord? No, we're not there yet. Why? Because we're still here. The rapture hasn't happened yet, according to Paul and his teaching right here. So, going on with this, I want to make sure I don't run out of time. I only have a couple of minutes before we receive communion. It is Jesus who breaks the seals. It is Jesus from the first seal until the last seal that he brings his judgment. It is the wrath of the Lamb. It continues through the trumpets and bowls. If you don't know what those are, don't worry about it. When I go through the book of Revelation sometime in the future, we'll, we'll deal with that. You have the conquest, you have the war, you have the famine, you have the death. And in verse 15, chapter 6, like I said, some believe that the, this is the beginning of the wrath of the Lamb. I would reject that. It is not the beginning of the wrath of the Lamb. It's just recognized as such. Because the first four seals from the earthly perspective, you could easily say, wow. It's just the politics of the day, or it's just the result of that. That's why people are dying, you know, and then disease comes because of that, because of the lack of food. You could see how it just be attributed to the natural processes of human beings living on the earth that has fallen. But when you get to the sixth seal, 
they recognize it is the wrath of the Lamb. Not that it has already come or hasn't already come. It has already come. They just recognize it at that point. So what about the man of lawlessness who is to be revealed? Is he revealed before the rapture or after the rapture? Well, we know that his identity is confirmed for the Jews at the abomination which makes desolate at the midpoint of the tribulation, that seven-year period. That's where he stands in the temple, says, I'm God. You have to worship him. Then secondly, for others that have the word of God during the tribulation, they will know that this man is the one who makes the treaty for the Jews at the beginning of the seven-year period. They have the word. They will know. And those, those are going to be the people that say, yeah, I never accepted Jesus Christ. And now all these people are gone in the rapture. I better go to the Bible, see what it has to say. They're going to look up things on YouTube if they're not sequestered or thrown out or, you know, you're not able to watch them anymore, which could definitely be a problem. But they'll be able to get to the Bible and say, oh, that guy, the one who signed the treaty, he's the one. They're going to recognize that 144,000 are going to say, he's the one. And he is going to be mad at Israel and kill two-thirds of them. Because of that, we know one-third is saved. They probably go down to the area of Petra. Am I giving you too much yet? I mean, it's just, there is so much here. But also, the passage is not saying that the man of lawlessness is revealed prior to the rapture of the church, but only before the day of the Lord. And there are two things holding back the advent of the Antichrist. There is the what and the who. Let me read it to you. And now you know, here's the pronoun, what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he the next pronoun is taken out of the way so you have a what that is holding back the lawlessness and you have a he that is holding back the lawlessness do you know anybody on this earth who is capable of holding back the antichrist and now I, I know of no one. Putin, could he do it? No. Um, who's another world leader which is out there? Um, Barack Obama? No. Biden? No. I think they probably know who he is. Uh, well, maybe not. But it, it, anyhow, it, there's no one that we know that can hold back this Antichrist. But there is a what? It, it's neuter. In its language, it's not either masculine or feminine. It's neutered. It is a thing. This thing is holding back lawlessness. What is that thing? The United States government? World Economic Forum? Uh, the National Institute of Health? The CDC? The FBI? The CIA? The Mossad? Who's holding back the evil? I'll tell you next week because we have to receive communion. So we're going to go through this. You know, I, I, I just want to make sure you guys understand what the text is saying there. We're going to go through the what and we're going to go through the he of what these two things are. Because until those two things are removed, the Antichrist cannot come to fruition. He cannot come on the scene. So what we're going to do at this point is Kim is going to come forward. And we're going to recognize the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by the receiving of the communion, the cup, and the bread uh, that is here. And I will speak a little bit more about this. 
But it is a time where we get to celebrate the fact that Jesus has redeemed us and what he went through to redeem us. He went to the cross. He gave his body for us. He also provided his blood as the atoning sacrifice to have our sins wiped off the mat, so to speak, just cleansed to be as white as snow. And we want to remember that sacrifice that he went to the cross for 2,000 years ago. And it's what entitles us to have fellowship with him now. So if we could lower the lights in the middle, and I think you guys know the routine once the music starts playing.